Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome you to the episode number 315 of... Linux in the Hamshack. This is our Weekender Edition, where we talk about upcoming contests, special event stations, open source things, a distribution to give a try to, we just have a good old time, and then we talk about food and spirits and all the good things in life. So let's get down to it on this, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And we're going to talk about contests, contesting in the amateur radio world, something you can do over the next weekend or two, if you have a mind to, and we'll let Bill run down through our contests this week. Absolutely. And there's a lot of them this time. So we have a busy weekend this weekend. It's the ARRL 160 meter contest. It starts December 6th at 2200 Zulu and runs through December 8th, uh, 1600 Zulu. Band, of course, is 160 meters. Uh, mode is CW. The exchange is going to be an RST for uh, for us in the U.S. and the uh, uh, section you're in. <clears throat> and uh, DX uh, will just give their RST. So this contest is for amateurs worldwide to exchange information with uh, uh, North American amateurs on 160 meters CW. DX to DX QSOs do not count for contest credit. Uh, stations located in overseas and non-contiguous, contiguous, contiguous <laughs> U.S. territories may be worked by DX stations. This includes Alaska KLH and the Caribbean U.S. station uh, possessions, uh, KP1 through KP5, and all of the Pacific Ocean territories, KH0 through KH9, including Hawaii, KH6. These stations can work both domestic stations, U.S. and VE, as well as DX stations all around the world. Check your software before the contest to be sure it will accept these QSOs. And that's, of course, from the ARRL. And we also have the FT Roundup, and it runs from December 7th, 1800 Zulu, to December 8th, 2359 Zulu. Bands are 80 meters through 10 meters, no work. Modes are FT4 and FT8. Uh, exchange RST and state or province territory or serial FDX. Uh, starting in 2019, the contest uh, name has changed to FT Roundup. Uh, contacts can be made on either FT or FT8, FT4, FT8. Uh, amateurs worldwide contact ex- uh, and the exchange queue set information with other bands. Uh, it's basically just a repeat of everything I just said. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this used to be the Riddy Roundup, but now it's the FT Roundup. So long, Riddy. Anyway, uh, we have the four states uh, second Sunday QRP sprint as well this uh, this coming up weekend, December 9th at 0100 Zulu to 0300 Zulu. So short one because it's a sprint. All bands, so 160 through 10, no work and no 60 meters. Uh, all modes are accepted. And this, uh, this will, you'll just have an RST, an SPC. I have no idea what that is. And member number, uh, power if non member. So what is the SPC? I don't know what that is. 
I don't know what that is either. But well, it, was, anyway. it was in the information, so there yeah. you go. Yeah, so go uh, go go look it up. <laughs> if you're interested in this short, short, short sprint contest, go check it out. Next weekend is, uh, is also a big contest. We have the ARRL 10-meter contest. And with 10 meters uh, showing some signs of life, this will be a fun one to get into. December 14th, uh, 0000 Zulu through December 15th, 2359 Zulu, 10 meters, single sideband, and CW. Uh, this contest, of course, is for amateurs worldwide exchange queue. So information with as many stations as possible on the 10 meter band. So get on 10 meters and uh, make an opening. Light up the sky. Uh, we also have the TRC digital contest. This is uh, running from December 14th, 0600 Zulu to uh, uh, December 15th, 1800 Zulu. And the bands are 80 meters through 10 meters. No work or no 60. Uh, mode is a ritty. So I guess that's the the makeup for uh you know Ritty Roundup. You can go do the TRC digital contest the next weekend. So visit the URL for contest information, rules, awards, and more. Uh we also have the uh, another sprint here that weekend. We or actually no, it's a little bit further on. It's December twenty first. It's happy birthday, Rudolph Sprint. It's December twenty first, first all day, zero 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 Zulu to twenty three fifty nine Zulu. Um, 160 through 10, no work. And this mode is Feld Hell. So, uh, get your, uh, Hell Schreiber running and, uh, have fun with that. That's the, that's the fun ticker tape, uh, mode that you can run in FL Digi. So, uh, take a look at that. It's a 24 hour fest of, uh, fun as we celebrate the birthday of Rudolph Hell, the inventor of Hell Schreiber. It's a 24 yeah. hour feast of hell, they call feast it. Feast of hell. Yeah. It be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So check it out. SPC stands for state, province, and country. Oh, uh, we should have known that. Duh. 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 Okay. <laughs> I are ham radio operator. <laughs> CQ contest, CQ contest. Uh, CQ Lima India Delta. All right, yep. let's see. <laughs> uh, Cheryl, you want to run through the special event stations? Sure. Oh, sorry, I got you with the mouthful, didn't I? Yeah, well, uh, it's amazing well, how that works. So. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. So, for our special event stations, we have the Pearl Harbor Day Memorial, which runs from 1600 Zulu on December 7th to 2200 Zulu. The call sign is K7UAZ. The frequency is 7.035 CW and 14.250 on USB. Uh, from the USS Arizona Memorial on the University of Arizona campus. For a certificate, email to qsl at tucsonhamradio.org. No paper QSLs, please. Uh, and there'll be more information, not that there's a lot, in the show notes. Um, the next one is the Skyworn Recognition Day, which is on December 7th from 0000 Zulu to 2400 Zulu. Multiple call signs, uh, frequencies to 80 to 70 centimeters. That's, that's 80 meters the to 80 70 meters, centimeters. right, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, like choking on phlegm right now. Sky, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. I should get up and go take some medicine. Skywarn Recognition Day was developed in 1999 by the National Weather Service and the American Radio Relay League. It celebrates the contributions that volunteer Skywarn radio operators make to the National Weather Service. During the day, Skywarn operators visit NWS offices and contact other radio operators across the world. The next one is WX3MAS special event, which runs from December 12th to December 15th, 1400 Zulu to 2200 Zulu daily. The call sign again is WX3MAS. 
frequencies is uh, 3.850, 7.270, and 14.265. And the notes on that is the Christmas City Amateur Radio Club 50th Anniversary, Christmas City ARC in the Delaware Lehigh ARC. Send QSL and self-addressed stamped envelope to WX3MAS, 14 Greystell Avenue, Greystone Building, Nazareth, PA. Operated in operation details are at the club site. Uh, URL is in the show notes. And the last one is Bethlehem on the Air, which is December 14th, 1500 Zulu to Z- December 15th, 0000 Zulu. The call sign is W9WWI. The frequency is 7.300 and 14.250. All bands, all modes, certificate, Clark County Amateur Radio Club, W9WWI, in celebration of the holiday season. Look for us on FT8. All right. Very good. So now you can go, like, Take some whatever, yeah, whatever you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, some obviously Christmas-related special event stations coming up. Also something about Skywarn and Pearl Harbor Day, since they're all happening in the month of December. And I don't have any announcements. Does anyone have any announcements? Anyone in the chat room have anything they want to announce? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Class? Class? Yeah. <laughs> Bueller? <laughs> I just don't have anything. No, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. Um, I'm sure Sean doesn't have anything. And as far as the ham radio challenge, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything other than to maybe just use grid track, or we can use that for both of them for the amateur radio challenge and the ham radio challenge. Fire up WSJTX and use grid tracker because it's, yeah, check it's, it out. It's pretty cool. And I've been playing around with the callable roster, which is something that we're going to be doing another episode about. And it's pretty awesome. And actually, since I, got it installed in my macintosh here my other macintosh i have several macs but anyway this one over here and the only reason i really did that was so i could have it on a different screen from my actual wsjtx install i have a lot of screens around and my imac is just next to my hamshack computer computer so which is next to your other computer which is next to the other computer which is next to my other computer yeah (laughs) yeah his office looks like a monitors and computers threw up everywhere so pretty much (laughs) so i get that working and i got wsgtx set up in multicast mode so it's just broadcasting to the network and sending out all kinds of garbage from wsgtx and the mac is picking up on it and doing neat things with the callable roster and the map and all that good stuff i finally got my my certificate for logbook of the world reissued so I can actually upload crap now. <laughs> um, so I'm actually seeing like uh, verified QSOs in grid tracker, which I was not seeing up until today, which is nice to see. Nice. And then I also broke grid tracker. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yep. So tag is working on the fact that in order to do logbook of the world integration on a Mac, you can't actually dig into because what happens is it asks you for the directory of the TQSL executable, which through Finder you cannot actually get to. <laughs> um, so I'm sure he's off trying to fix that right now. <laughs> so the next build <laughs> of Grid Tracker should have a workaround for that. Um, but other than that, it's been working great, and I've been enjoying Grid Tracker quite a bit. And I am actually getting very close to my uh, 80 meter WAS on FT8. Nice. Nice. And it looks like uh, Steve in the chat room, K7HVT, 
dropped a quick announcement here. The Superstition Superfest 2019 is happening this weekend, December 7th, 2019, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Mesa Community College in uh, Mesa, Arizona. So if you're over in that uh, that neck of the woods and want to go do a quick Superfest, short one-day ham fest, get over there and uh, check it out. Looks like they're having a grand prize drawing of a FT-991A. Uh, as the grand prize, the first prize, the second prize is an ICOM 7300. And the third prize is uh, the AZU-FT-891, which is that uh, that 590-some-odd-dollar rig that uh, is on Super, whatever, Super Friday, what was Monday? Monday, Cyber Monday deal. <laughs> so it looks like a lot of great prizes. Uh, tickets for the grand prizes are $2, and you need not be present to win. Steve, so, can uh, I can I send you some money to buy me some tickets? <laughs> <laughs> I also have a door prize drawing of an FT seventy DR. So there you go, dual dual band uh, C four FM uh, HT. So uh, I never win yeah. these things, but I'm willing to send in twenty bucks to buy tickets. I I, I could use a, a nine ninety one <laughs> or a seventy three hundred. I mean, I'd, I'd be down with those. Yeah, you should so. give me the money to send to him because I always win stuff. <laughs> well, that's true. I'll, I'll send him ten for me and ten for you, and then. If you win it, we'll set up a station in your office. Uh, no, there is no room in there. <laughs> okay, yeah, then we'll, we'll set up a station in my office. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Uh, some VE testing there as well. So if you uh, need to get licensed or upgrade, go check that out. And uh, what else they got there? Fox Hunt and a prize for that. Great food, drinks, and a food court will be available. Live 60s and 70s music by John C. KDAPC. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks like uh, looks like a lot of fun and uh, a lot of little quick forums and stuff like that. So. Uh, check that one out i wonder if kdapc has some music available we, we would play him on the show if he has his own music i don't know that we've played any music by an amateur radio operator but that'd be kind of cool oh well, you can, you can buy, buy tickets, tickets online on oh sweet go. all right might have to check that out link in the show notes <laughs> all, all your grand prizes are belong to me so <laughs> i wish anyway so thanks steve for that and uh, if you're down in Arizona, check it out. All right, so we're going to move on to this weekend in open source and talk about a distribution you can try. And I found this one, Sparky Linux. It's bright and shiny. shiny. Uh, it's a GNU Linux distribution created on top of the Debian GNU Linux operating system, as a lot of them are. Sparky is a fast, lightweight, and fully customizable OS, which offers a few versions for different users and different tasks. For example, it has the main full-featured OS with a lightweight desktop environment, which works out of the box and contains a selection of pre-installed common-use software for home users. There's the minimal GUI version with OpenBox Window Manager pre-installed, only the basic software for users who want to configure their OS and desktop as they want on top of Debian with any desktop environment or Window Manager they like, although they've already installed OpenBox. Um... There are three special editions for different tasks, all with OpenBox's default. There's Game Over for Gamers, Multimedia for Audio, Video, and HTML page creation, and Rescue for fixing broken OSs. There's also the minimal CLI version with NoX server for advanced users who wants to build their configure to build and configure their desktops in their own way. And they also say that Sparky supports nearly 20 desktop environments and window managers, giving you freedom of choice, keeping in mind that your computer is made for working, having fun, entertainment, keeping in touch with friends, and many other functions. 
Sparky Stable is the best choice to change your existing operating system and try a GNU Linux distribution without the need of installation and changing your computer's partition table. Sparky Testing is targeted to more advanced users who aren't afraid of a little less stable version of applications and want to work with the latest version of offered software. And that came from the Sparky Linux website. And I believe Sparky is a Polish distribution, if I remember correctly. So if you want to try a Debian GNU-based you know, flavor that has some interesting i guess customizations it gives sparky linux a try i noticed that their um their like number of hits on distro watch like they're like way up like hundreds and hundreds of uh recent downloads so i don't know if that's because of a recent release or if they're just becoming more popular or what but it looks kind of interesting so give sparky linux a try link in the show notes and we have some events coming up uh cheryl do you want to do events sure. are you sure sure what the heck okay <laughs> well actually do do like we'll all do one so i'll do the first one okay good we'll do the first it's one. a super long one okay Bill's gonna do <laughs> yeah. the first one you can do the second one and i'll do the last one okay. all right all right so yeah the first one is node js interactive 2019 it's december 11th through 12th and it's up there in montreal quebec canada at Node.js Interactive, attendees, speakers, and sponsors will collaborate, network, and learn from each other as they share their experiences deploying IoT, serverless, cloud-native, and progressive web apps, and much more. Attendees will benefit from face-to-face interaction, discussing a variety of important topics like accessibility, internationalization. The program will provide content that is appealing to a broad spectrum of members of the JavaScript ecosystem, including <clears throat> topics like Node.js, frameworks, best practices, and success stories from some of the world's biggest companies deploying innovative applications at massive scale. With an agenda full of keynotes and breakout sessions from community and industry leaders, workshops, and ample time for connecting with other like-minded individuals, Node.js Interactive is one is the one JavaScript conference you can't afford to miss. And the link to that is in the show notes. And as a side note, uh, the guy that's in there that I'm skiing with... <laughs> Is going to this. <laughs> oh, <all laughs> he's, right. he's a friend of mine. Uh, we go skiing and have a coffee on Friday at the at a meetup. So uh, he uh, he has him and a, a, one of his coworkers are are running out to uh, Quebec to uh, go to this conference. So sounds like a lot of fun. Excellent conferences are a lot of fun, especially if you don't actually go to the conference and just hang out with all the people and drink and stuff. So there you go. <laughs> all right, next one. The next one is December sixteenth in Tokyo, Japan, for the Open Source Forum. Uh, it's an invitation-only event held annually in Japan. The event is designed to advance the open-source industry in Japan by bringing the hottest open-source technology topics and people together to collaborate. And it's invitation-only, but if you know somebody who's in this particular segment of the industry, they can invite you. So you may not be able to get to this one, but maybe you can. And uh, shortly after that, like the next day and the day after that... There's the Open Compliance Summit in Tokyo, December 17th through the 18th, which is an exclusive two-day event for Linux Foundation members and select invitees. It provides an excellent opportunity for Linux Foundation members in the APAC region to share knowledge around open source compliance matters and to build connections that streamline interactions between companies of all sizes in all sectors. Our 2019 theme is Compliance as a Platform. Sounds like they're buzzword heavy. Shared standards, automation, and community. And link to that, of course, will be in the show notes. Except for it's not companies of all sizes and all sectors. It's only invited companies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they may be of all sizes and sectors. You don't know. It doesn't sound very inclusive. No, it's it's in Japan. What do you expect? I don't know. 
But anyway, apparently December is pretty light on conferences, so there you go. <laughs> uh, so, of course, our open source challenge for this fortnight, as we already mentioned, is going to be to uh, fire up and use WSJTX with N0TTL's grid tracker and have fun doing it. That's pretty cool, I have to admit. But anyway, we're going to get down to the good stuff now. We're going to go to This Week in Hedonism, and we're going to start Hedonism with Cheryl's Recipe Corner. So this this recipe was something I fixed for dinner last night, um, which was Reuben egg rolls. There's a local Irish pub that we usually eat at a few times a month anyway, and this is on their appetizer platter. And, yeah, we really like them. And it involves corned beef, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, and some egg roll wrappers. And <clears throat> my recipe, you can either bake them or fry them, depending on how you want to do it. Last night, I actually fried them because I was also doing scotch eggs um, with them. So uh, everything got, got deep fried. Oh, and I also did uh, beer batter onion rings. And to be clear, scotch eggs do not involve scotch, although maybe they should. They, <laughs> maybe they should, yeah. No, they're just actually hard-boiled they're, eggs they're wrapped Scottish in sausage. Eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, actually, they're not Scottish eggs, but anyway. Well, they're something that are attributed. You know, it's like anything. Pizza's not really Italian, as I understand it, but, yeah. You know. No, but everybody claims it's yeah, Italian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, cashew chicken. Well, actually, I, we have our own type of cashew chicken here, so... But anyway, so um, corned beef, cheese, sauerkraut, wonton wrapper, or egg roll or wonton wrappers, depending on how big you want them, um, and just either bake or fry. I actually double rolled mine last night because they were a little big, and I didn't want them. I didn't want the egg roll wrappers to uh, bust apart while I was frying them, which I guess I, I I was not feeling well last night, so I did not eat. Were they okay? Yeah, they're excellent. Okay. So, and with that, you need some homemade Russian dressing, and we're not talking about the general Thousand Island dressing. We're talking about Russian dressing, which is what made Rubens there's, famous. There's nothing similar between Russian and Thousand Island. Uh, but they serve Thousand Island in Springfield at the restaurant, because it says on their menu. Yeah. Served with well, Thousand Island true. dressing, yeah. I so, and the homemade Russian dressing involves yogurt or sour cream. I actually used sour cream in mine last night. Ketchup, horseradish, clove, garlic cloves, excuse me, and paprika. So was Russian dressing okay? Yeah, it was all very good. All right. So there you go. So <laughs> straight from Russ's mouth. Yep. So. And yours were like, you, yours were more heavy on the corned beef than they are at the restaurant, but I actually like that. Right. The other one, the ones at the restaurant are like more heavy on the sauerkraut, the sauerkraut probably right. for cost issues or cost purposes. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, so. so yours had that, uh, was it Carl Buddig or whatever? Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I grabbed the 50 cent beef. packages of, uh, Carl Buddig or Land of Frost or whatever it was. Uh, right. Corn beef. Corn beef because corn beef out of the deli was $13 a pound. Yeah. No, the, the pre-packaged so, corn beef was fantastic. You can definitely use that. No worries. Yeah, 60 cents a package. So, yep. or 80 cents or whatever it was. So don't bother with the deli. So, just get the cheap crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. And I didn't, you know, the, the original recipe called for shredded Swiss cheese, which for whatever reason. Where the is, hell? Who has shredded Swiss cheese? I've never heard of such a I thing. I can occasionally <laughs> find it, but it's pretty hard so i actually got sliced uh swiss cheese and um broke each slice in half and put one slice on the bottom and then put the topping the sauerkraut and corned beef on top of that 
and then put a slice on top. Was there enough cheese in them, or could it have used more cheese? It might have might have benefited a little bit from some cheese, but honestly, they were good. So. Okay. I mean, and so, you said that I should have put more sauerkraut in them as well. So. Probably a little bit more, but they were they were pretty good size as they were. But that's because you had them stuffed full of corned yeah, beef, corn so, beef. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's fine. They were they were fine. Yep. So okay. so if you shred Swiss cheese, you kind of like eliminate the only thing that identifies Swiss cheese, which is the holes. So it's, what is it coming like shorter pieces because of the holes? Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's just like shredded mozzarella, but yeah, it's just it's impossible to find it here for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe because other, nobody does that. Right. Maybe other places it's easy to find, yeah, shredded Swiss. But Walmart does not apparently carry it at all, which is pretty well our only grocery store. And there are a few other, you know, local grocery stores. And once in a blue moon, I'll find it. But it's yeah. been a couple of years since I've been able to find it. I assume but you just get the grater out anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or yeah, I course. could just break up a slice and throw it in there and save some time right well can't you just like wrap up the other stuff in the cheese and then the wonton wrapper probably yeah so well, yeah. anyhow as long as it's got swiss cheese in it it gives a crap just do it however you want yeah. <laughs> all right very good so check out the reuben rolls they are truly excellent and they're kind of like if you've ever had like a southwestern egg roll or a chinese egg roll or something like that it's just kind of an irish egg roll and yeah they're just really good yeah so, so all right well, we're going to go on to my drink corner, and this is, we're going to have to preface this by saying you probably shouldn't, like, <laughs> um, take any stock in anything I say today. Because Russ's nose <laughs> is Because my nose up. is not quite what it should be. It's it's almost back to normal, but not really. And I have had, luckily, I had a drink of this before today. <laughs> Because so, you got this for our anniversary right, last week. Last so, week. So yeah. I did try it before today, so I sort of remember things about it. And I'm but going, you, were cold, you, were, you had your cold that day, too. That was on the 27th. That was the day before Thanksgiving. That was the day before. You I got had, really I, bad? Yeah, before okay. there was an issue. So, gotcha. uh, so I'm going to go with it, and I'm willing to bet that no one's going to buy this stuff anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, what I'm going to be reviewing today is called Bren 10, um, which is, is the only one I've ever seen. It's a French single malt whiskey. Um, I came across this because a guy that I know who works at a liquor store said, here, we've got a bunch of this stuff. Do you want any of it? And this is one of the things that was on the list. And I was like, what is this thing? And he said, oh, it's a French single malt. And I was like, I've never heard of a French single malt. So uh, I'll get some. And then he said it's $105 a bottle. I was like, ooh, maybe I won't get some, but I wound up getting it anyway. Um, so what they say about it, what the Bren Distillery says about it, is the whiskey is twice distilled from two types of local indigenous heirloom barley grown on the Bren estate in an Alembic Charente still, creating a floral, fruit-forward, new-make spirit. The spirit is then rested in signature barrels, new French limousine oak and cognac casks, before being proofed with water from the Charente, Charente, Carente, something like that, river. The resultant liquid, the resultant liquid, I love that, <laughs> is the first single malt in the world to be aged exclusively in these two barrels. This, <coughs> edit that. <clears throat> this French terroir whiskey has a profile rich in fruit forward floral and creamy notes that is exceptionally smooth set apart from every other whiskey. <clears throat> so, I don't know, take from that what you will, I guess. 
the mash bill on this, as you heard from the description, is 100% barley. Uh, the ABV on it is 48%. It's bottled at 96 proof, so they didn't skimp at least on the alcohol by volume. The region for this is, of course, Cognac, France, which is where the distillery is. The color on this, considering it's been aged in barrels for 10 years, is incredibly light. I mean, it barely looks like it has color deeper than water. And I put in here ginger ale because your typical ginger ale comes out of a bottle about this color. But I think this is even lighter than ginger ale. So apparently, <clears throat> the barrels that they use to age this stuff does not interact much with the whiskey because it's not pulling a lot of, you know, either that or the barrels that they age cognac and don't have any char. So I don't know. But this spirit is very, very light in color. Now on the nose, and again, I'm going mostly on what I got from last week, uh, some distiller's notes to compare with my own and a little bit of what I got today. And you definitely get notes of cranberry and pear and really light things, like a tiny touch of peppermint. There's a sort of sweet mintiness to it, a little bit of agave and hibiscus because it's floral. And you could probably interchange those with any number of other floral notes, depending on how your palate reacts to alcohol. But they're all in a similar vein on the nose. So it's very light, very effervescent, very sweet. And on the taste, you get the same sort of similar thing it's a little bit heavier you get a little bit of spiciness on the tongue but that may be just the alcohol proof but otherwise it's still a very sweet um distilled beverage i personally got pear and melon a little bit of a grassy hay quality honey for sure what i can only describe as literally pink bubble gum if you've had actual pink bubble gum you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just a general sweetness, but it tended toward that very specific essence of pink bubblegum. And then underneath it all, there's a little bit of earthiness, and I'm wondering if that's just coming from the wood notes, um, but it's almost like a mushroom or a truffle, a little bit of earthiness. And I have to assume that's from the aging process because everything other than that about this is sweet. And then the finish is like a, ling a lingering sweetness that kind of like coats your tongue and the inside of your mouth and your whole palate. And you just get a long essence of sugary, lightly herbal sweetness. And it's not that you can sort of identify any flavors in that. Um, it's just sweet. So if you like sweet things, you're probably going to love this. You're probably not going to love it at over $100 a bottle. Um and considering that price point, it's probably not something you're just going to like run out and buy. But if you want an interesting dessert liqueur that's not a port or a sherry or something like that, that's a little bit lighter and fruitier and toward the sort of light colored fruits instead of the dark fruits. And to have something in your liquor cabinet, that you can probably say that no one else you know has. You might want to try this. Um, otherwise I'd say just kind of leave it alone, uh, for the price alone, I'm going to have to knock a couple of points off on it and give it about an 84 because it tastes good and it would probably go well with dessert or like a fish dish or something like that. Um, but it's pricey and there's a lot of better stuff out there that I would recommend higher. But if you're interested, try Bren 10, the French single malt whiskey. Okay. So what I'm reading 
regarding cognac barrels is they are not charred. All the wood that they get them from either come from the Limousin or the Transois forests in France, um, and they only use them once. After that, they're sent on to go to, you know, Glen Mirage or whoever right, wants right. them. A lot of right. Scotch and stuff is in the uh, first fill cast and stuff right, like that. Right, yeah. So. But. Well, it, it, cognac is only a first fill cast. Right, right. Well, that's why it's not imparting much color, because there's no barrel There's char. nothing there, yeah. Right, so. Yeah, I've I've seen, like, darker water than that in the dogfish. So. <laughs> if you're drinking darker water than this, you might want to reconsider. But, I mean, well, it does I'm have pretty, a color. It's definitely yeah, yellowish. It's, but it's so. just, it's it's like watered-down apple juice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's like super watered-down yep. apple juice, because it is just barely yellow. It barely has any color. Yeah. So, anyway, there you go. Bryn 10. And with that, we're going to talk about, well, Bill's going to talk about whatever he's drinking right now. Oh, I finished it already. Oh, uh, well, whatever he was drinking <laughs> two minutes ago. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took so long going over that that I was uh, not sorry. <laughs> No, I'm enjoying a, uh, I had some beer earlier, but I realized I already reviewed that. Uh, so I, uh, I, I decided to have a, a, a spicy, uh, bourbon mule. <laughs> cool. So, so, uh, I went with the, uh, cock and bull ginger beer, which is like extremely spicy ginger beer and, uh, Jim's bean doubles cut and a slice of lime. And some ice. Yummy, 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 yummy. Are you yummy, drinking yummy. out of a mule cup? Is it copper? No, no, glass. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Not a true, uh, true mule without the copper cup, but you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's a Montana brewery, uh, pint glass. <laughs> well, okay. Well, that'll work. Yeah. So, so cock and bull ginger beer. We yeah. have, there's another company around here that makes a really spicy ginger beer. I can't remember the, the company, but it's really good. I, I am finding myself really, attracted to a spicy ginger beer especially in a mule so yeah yeah this is a pretty uh pretty spicy stuff i like this i like the, the soda by itself or whatever it's it's really right. good yeah it's it's Actually, very spicy that reminds me the last time i made a mule i used the regular ginger beer that we had and i can't remember what i put in it for the liquor but i was making a mule so it was probably vodka or something i also put in some of the pinnacle habanero vodka to spice it up yeah to kick up the spice level a little bit and it was fantastic i'm glad you found a, a use for that habanero vodka and the habanero vodka doesn't really have much of a purpose or a flavor other than just sort of adding a general spiciness to things it doesn't like otherwise affect what you're putting it in so you mm-hmm. can probably take like what you have there and add a little bit of the habanero vodka and it would just make it even spicier so. <laughs> isn't the rockies the uh, rockies gingerbread that you've been buying is that spicy? that one's kind of spicy but there's another one and i can't remember uh, for someone else who's like uh trying to be or do some mixology if you if you get the pinnacle uh, habanero vodka and you just want to add a general spiciness to whatever you are without sort of altering the characteristics of the drink you're making it's perfect for that awesome all right and with that we have come down to the end of the show and so while we're here, we should definitely mention the folks who are with us in the chat room tonight. We had Don, KC9ZMY, Ted, WA0EIR, Steve, KA7HVT, and Dan, KB6NU. And you can, of course, join us every Monday night when we record our episodes, and we would love to have you do that. We send out links to the Discord, the IRC chat, and, of course, the live stream every Monday on Twitter and Facebook before the show goes live. 
So if you get a chance on Monday nights, come join us. We would love to have you with us. And otherwise, we appreciate everybody who listens to the show, downloads us regularly, and who comments with us on social media or via email. We appreciate each and every one of you. And with that, we'll wrap up this version of The Weekender, and we'll see you all again on Monday for our deep dive episode. This has been episode number 315 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Charles, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, an A4RD73. listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch by social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.